our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, GoPowerCat.com's Kansas State Athletics Show. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, from the GPC studios, here's your host, GoPowerCat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to another edition of the PowerCat Questions Podcast, and it's officially a Game Week podcast. Not to be confused with the pregame podcast, which comes out on Thursday. This is just the regular podcast, but with a game involved. It's very confusing here at the GPC Studios. I'm Tim Fitzgerald. To my left and going around the table here is Zach Carlson, Cole Carmody, and Ryan Gilbert. Put a little extra muscle. Thank you. Yeah, muster I like on that. that one. Yeah. How you doing, Midnight? I'm ready. It's football season. No, no. I know. It's... Uh, it was good to have, we're recording this on Tuesday night, it was good to have a press conference to attend with actual players in person. A little bit odd setup. Little bar top tables they stood behind and we were... Cocktail uh, tables. Bar top tables. Oh, Ken, I'm going to have to bleep that word out. That's what it is. That's what they. <laughs> that's what Lackey called it. Yeah, I thought we were having cocktails because they had a bottle... Of the Wabash Reserve. I missed this. On display. Where was it? It was on the table where the notes are, like the pregame notes. I don't go. We get those in an email. I'm telling you what. I meant to go to the fridge today and buy some. How's that? probably gone. Perfect segue. That was great. I know. How much are they selling it for? I don't know. Let's get into the fridge as soon as this podcast is over and go buy some Wabash Reserve. That's what it's called, right? Yep. From Boot Hill Distillery out in Dodge City. Beautiful product design. Amazing product design. It's available at the fridge. Make sure you stop in whenever you're in Manhattan. And also our segment sponsors are Tanners and the High Low. Man, I can't believe how quickly the summer went. I'm just astonished at how fast the summer expired. And we're now, well, folks are listening to this in September. Hmm. So I think that means it's going to be 80 degrees now. Is that how that works in Kansas? I hope so. 80 degrees and just lovely all the time through September and October. Or it's going to be 190. And let's just be clear about something. We had a variety of questions. And by the way, folks, good job asking questions. Or so I'm told. But we stayed on topic. For the most part, we're focused on K-State's game with Stanford and the season and some fun at the end. But we had some other stuff that we can address other places. But this edition of the podcast, we are staying narrowly focused on K-State Stanford. And now, with your questions from Wabash Station, Cole Carmody. First question comes from 3G Wildcat. Besides the score of the game, what would you consider a success or failure in the Stanford game? Well, success would be uh, Stanford decides to shut down its academic institution and leave the Pac-12. That would be very successful. You beat them so bad in football, they close the entire Very school. bad things going on in the And then Pac-12. you get Moody Rubin. Oh, yeah. It, it, uh, I, I mean, I'll just take a win. I will take a win, but I would like something emphatic here. I really would prefer that. Kind of a statement that went in there, played a good Power 5 opponent, and even though the Pac-12 doesn't think you're worth anything – which is kind of funny. It's like uh, being told no by a girl that you didn't want to go out with, what the Pac-12 just did. Well, we didn't, we didn't want to go out with you. We were going to settle on you if no, no one else was available. I would consider that relatable. Oh, so I'm going to get that story after the podcast. But um, a failure would be anything that ends in loss. 
I, I mean, I know that sounds so simplistic, but for me, if it's one point or 40 points, it's just not good. It's going to damage the trajectory of the program. I truly believe that. And I think everyone in football understands that, too. When you ask about the importance of the game, they do not hesitate. They don't play it down. They know this is an important game for the program and for the season. I think success, besides winning the game, would be see, would be seeing a lot of purple in AT&T Stadium. That's something that we've talked about for True. seemingly months. But, I mean, I, I want to see K-State fans excited for football because at the end of the season last year was so frustrating for fans. I mean, I was a, I, I would consider myself a fan. I, I, didn't, I wasn't here, right, when right. the end of football season last year. It was frustrating. And you weren't embarrassed to be a K-State fan, but you know what? There was a little bit embarrassment of what was going on on the field. So I think seeing K-State fans fully bought back in and seeing everybody there would be a huge success as far as the failure goes. I mean, obviously, like you mentioned, the loss, but, you know, injuries, right? I mean, to yeah, Deuce Vaughn, Skylar Thompson, something like that would be not good. No major injuries as far as a failure goes. But I think for me, I'm with I'm with Fitz. It needs to be emphatic. There needs to be more than just – it needs to be satisfying. If they win by seven points or less than a touchdown, I think there's still going to be a lot of question marks mm-hmm. going in to that Nevada game in a couple weeks after. So I think something emphatic – you hope that it's so big that you can play some of your backups, maybe, maybe a little bit. And this team and the way this team's built is there's going to be a lot of squad rotation throughout the game. Everyone should be fresh. Hopefully we can see a lot more guys get looks towards the end of the game so you don't have to worry about those injuries coming at a time where you may not need it. But something emphatic is what, what needs to happen. If K-State doesn't win, it's obviously not a success, but playing turnover free football would be the next closest thing to that if you don't win the game as far as a failure though i would say don't get duped by stanford you know we saw k-state against oregon in that bowl game what 2012 or against navy in the bowl game where they got duped on some on some trick plays chris Kleiman cannot let that happen so obviously a win is a win that's all that matters but if you lose i think no turnovers no getting duped by stanford very good Next question comes from six 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 Chris six six two zero four. There was a lot of sixes in there. Yep. If there is one sign from the first game that will give you a good feeling about the season beyond just beating the snot out of Stanford, what will it be? Okay, what was the first part of that again? If there is one sign from the first game that huh. will give you a good feeling about the season, what will it be? That beyond just beating the snot out of them. Right. Correct. That for me it'd be that the defense um took the next step, really looked better and, and better put together than it did last year during, honestly, what was really a difficult situation. Joe Klanderman, first year as your coordinator. Oh, yeah, there's a pandemic. And, oh, yeah, you're going to have guys coming and going all season. It, they couldn't get any continuity. And I'm also curious to see what, what they do differently on defense, which we suspect is coming. We don't know exactly what yet. We have our ideas, but we're going to keep those close to the vest for now out of respect to the coaches. But um, I, I think really that if that defense shows signs of being able to line up and attack an opponent and change the trajectory of a game, that makes me very hopeful. Uh, Chris Kleiman said it on Tuesday. we gotta, we got to stop the big plays. Um, and they need to have some. But mostly for me, um, this defense needs to – not be giving up game-changing plays, which they did quite a bit of down the stretch last year. So if they get back to that, I, you know, I think uh, I think that'll be a really hopeful sign for the rest of the season. Specifically, linebacker for me. What what do they have going on as far as depth? You know, like I said, there's going to be a lot of rotation. Who are those next guys going to go in after Daniel Green and Cody Fletcher? And how are they going to play? And will they be able to stop Stanford? But the big one for me is wide receiver. Will these wide receivers step up enough to take some of the the predictability of what the offense was last year with Deuce Vaughn? Can they step up? Can more than just Malik and Phillip Brooks catch passes and open up the offense a bit so that they become a lot more unpredictable? 
and hopefully more successful. I'm I'm agreeing with you on the offensive side of the football, but I actually think it's going to be the offensive line. That's the one position that I'm going to look really at more than anything on offense because I think even if we don't see immediate production out of the receivers, that will come. You know, it it takes time to develop the relationship, especially with, you know, the new guys really that they're going to be counting on. I mean, the first three on the depth chart at receiver are Phillip Brooks, Landry Weber, and um, obviously Landry Weber. Who am I missing? Malik. Malik Knowles. Right. Obviously. Duh. (laughs) So those guys have been here for a while. But beyond that, you get into Cade Warner, you get into Tyrone Howe. So those guys, it's not going to be immediate. Same thing with Keenan Garber. He's been here a while, but Sebastian Taylor is going to be on a pitch count. So. It's not going to be immediate for the receivers. On the offensive line, though, that's what I really am looking forward to seeing because seeing how this group has gelled through the offseason, through the ups and downs of last year, not very often do you get more than five returners on an offensive line. I mean, that's something that is extremely unique. I mean, you look at their two deep, and almost all of them have had game experience starting. Starting, yeah. It's incredible. So if that group can really come together – I I so excited. I'm so excited for the offense. And by the way, um, is it like really awesome or really dorky when we use terminology from one sport to apply to another? I love it. Uh, you dorky. like that? Yeah, dorky. dorky. I, I love it. The pitch count. It. The pitch count for football. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Mm-hmm. Deuce Vaughn is the home run hitter. Oh, I like, I like that. That's a, yeah. okay. Stuff like that. Saying home run, fine. Pitch count. What are we going to talk about? Wins above replacement? No. How many? Well, how, pitch what's the football? What's Deuce's, what's Deuce's war? Like, tell me. Like, what is it? How is football? How is pitch count? I mean, you could relate it to how long they're out on the pitch. I mean, the pitch count. I mean, that's soccer. Now we're but, going soccer with But pitch. I'm just saying, I'm just, hey, fight, just fight, throwing fight. that out there. Just, you know. Let's, it's getting rough out here. Let's move on. Why'd you have to bring that up? I don't this know. This is your fault. Um, next question comes from Eric Schneid. Schneid. Why do you, Schneid. What do you think Courtney Messingham's first play call of the season will be on offense? Oh God, please be off tackle. What do you wish Courtney Messingham's first play call of the season oh, please will be, be on tackle. offense? It's going to be Deuce Vaughn right up the middle. Yeah, for sure. I'm with you. I don't, it will be interesting, actually. This would be the best part of being a play caller. I mean, how much time would you think about what am I going to call on the first play of a season in a big game? Do you go for the home run? I I no. don't know. I wouldn't, but I also wouldn't just run it up the middle. I would try to do something. Well, you know what? I'd Flea go, flicker. I'd go back to the damn Liberty Bowl where they threw that little short check down to the tight end in the middle of the field, and unfortunately Nick Lenners dropped it. And then they came back and threw a beautiful crossing pattern to Phillip Brooks, who dropped it. Run those plays again. Get them right this time. Oh, my God, I just lost it. Why does it feel like that was the last game that K-State played? It does, doesn't it? It, Well, for me, I haven't been to one since then. But, yeah, last year was just so whacked. It's almost like it doesn't even feel real. Of course, when you lose five straight, you want to deny that it actually happened. I think first play call of the season will be double power to the right side. I want to see Cooper Beebe and Josh Rivas pulling around and just destroying the defensive ends and the outside linebackers. You know, and Deuce Vaughn. that's probably exactly where they'll go to try to establish. You know, we're going to take the line of scrimmage from you, which is good. That's that's my old school football feelings. I mean, it's a big game playing in AT and T Stadium. I wouldn't be surprised if they're a little emotionally drunk. So I think Messingham is going to play it really safe and get them acclimated for a few plays and run it right up the middle. Have you ever been drunk on emotions? <laughs> I, I don't think like Gills is described. No. Okay. We'll find out. Okay. On Saturday. <laughs> I'm, I'm fired up. I, I can't wait to see what that first play will be. Next question comes from A Went 25. Does Skylar Thompson take all the quarterback snaps in the first half against Stanford? I would guess so. I would, I would guess so, short of getting dinged up and having to come out for a play or two. I mean, I don't see why you wouldn't, unless you're ahead 42 to nothing at half. Which would be okay. No, I, I, I don't see any reason why you wouldn't. Because if you are going to use Will Howard in some package, you wouldn't show it in the first half. You wouldn't give him the halftime benefit to adjust anything. I think we're going to see more of that from this, these coaches. Um, that's the biggest lesson I took out of last year is, is when they changed it up on OU in the fourth quarter, 
it had a sizable impact on the game. I mean, it went from being an easy OU win to a K-State rally for the victory. And I, I have a feeling defensively in particular we're going to see more of that morphing into something different after halftime. And, and maybe that will apply offensively. I just want consistency on the offensive side. I'm sure Skyler will take all the snaps, but at the same time, I want to know what like the statistics and the odds are that for K-State over the last two years, has anybody else taken a snap in the first half other than the starting quarterback? Because we'd love to see them do the Wildcat, mm-hmm. have somebody take a direct snap, but I don't think they've done it, and I don't think they will do it. I think that's more of a possibility this year with Deuce Vaughn and Joe Irvin, but, I mean, arguably two of the more dynamic running backs that Chris Clemens had on this on the team at the same time. So, I mean, I don't think that they would go to the Wildcat in the first half, but I, I really – I'm not putting it out. I'm not throwing out the fact that Will Howard could still be a goal-line quarterback who they – will save Skylar Thompson. How many times have we seen Skylar Thompson run the option on the goal line and score, right? But he, he takes those hits. Those hits will add up. Uh, if they want to keep Skylar Thompson healthy, I don't think it's out of the question that we do see Will Howard in the goal line as just as strictly as a runner. I, I, I don't think that that's out of the question. No, I think you might be right. That might be how they want to use him to protect Skylar's shoulder. Yeah. It'll, it'll be fun to watch. Folks, this isn't empty talk about Will Howard. They are fired up about the progress he made. And by the way, Zach, Deuce Vaughn walked in the room today in T-shirt. Yeah, the guy's gotten a little bit bigger, hasn't he? Yeah. Huge. Deuce looks like he went from freshman year of high school to senior year of high right. school. Right. I I did that in weight only, not muscle mass, just mass. <laughs> Deuce looks stronger. He looks like three now. So just two. Thrice Vaughn. Trace. You tried. You tried your best. It wasn't even that good. It wasn't even. How do you screw up a bad joke? (laughs) I need counseling. (laughs) TDE67 wants to know what player breaks out on Saturday? I hope nobody gets arrested. (laughs) Well, they better be sweating. (laughs) Break out out in a sweat. (laughs) Timmy Horn. Ooh. Really? That's who, I mean. That's who they think, want to break out. Think, think about what they've said all fall. Timmy Horn, he's, you know, he's the best player overall. He's a captain. Okay. He has, he, and, and maybe he won't break out, but he has to break out. Well, here's my thing about Timmy Horn is I have a feeling what makes him so valuable is he's eating up offensive linemen. He won't have the great stats, but he will devour at least two offensive linemen on every play, allowing someone else to have the great stats. You'll have to kind of subtly understand what he's yeah, doing out that's there. that's fair. I'm going to go with Khalid Duke. They're back to raving about him. Uh, we, I bought in full full bore last year, and he was okay, but he, he kind of dropped off a little bit. So I'll go Khalid Duke. And if not him, I think Nate Madlack will come in with some splash plays. So we'll, we'll see. Um, there's a whole bunch of positions where K-State needs people to break out. There's no doubt about that. I'd love to see one of the tight ends break out, another receiver break out. Landry Weber, please be legitimate. I mean, your head coach keeps raving about you. Let's hope you're not just a, you know, kind of a filler out there that you're actually ready to make plays. I was actually going to talk about Landry Weber. I, I'm not going to pick him as my answer, but just going back and watching some of the old film of 2019 and, and even a little bit last year on big plays, Landry Weber is on the field now. Is that because of him? Maybe not necessarily, but he has seen a lot more time than I think people would like to recall. So is this the year where he he, he steps up and is is a legitimate option from the slot? I I think it's a possibility. If he can get open, he can catch the ball, right? So I think think that Landry Weber is going to see the field a lot, a lot, and he's a very good run blocker, which if K-State wants to maintain – I mean, that's, guys, that's why Joaquin Gill saw the field so much last year is because he was an excellent run blocker. Same thing with DJ Render. The, they, the coaches trust him to do the little things. If Landry Weber can do that, then he's going to see himself on the field a lot. But to answer the question, I'm going to go TJ Smith. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I've been on the TJ Smith hype train for a while now. I think that they have Rush East listed as a starter, but it wouldn't surprise me to see TJ Smith play more than Rush East. Rush East. It, it really wouldn't. I think he's due for a breakout year, and I'm really excited to watch him play. Joe Irvin. I mean, Deuce Vaughn is running back number one, no doubt about it. But 
they're going to have to get some other people involved. We always yeah. talk about the wideouts, the tight ends, Deuce Vaughn, Skylar Thompson, but what about Joe Irvin? Get him involved. I think he can make some plays. Getting back to your um, Landry Weber point, and, and what I found um, popped out to me with Chris Kleiman on Tuesday was he said specifically he is capable of playing all of the receiver positions for us, which is a great tool to have if you're going to split Deuce Vaughn and put him into the slot because then Landry can go out and play a different receiver position. So I'm intrigued to see how they use that because they do have to get Joe Irvin involved. Do they do it with both guys on the field? And yes, Deuce Vaughn did laugh and smile when someone asked him about the diamond formation. He said, yes, it'll be back. I am so fired up to see Deuce Vaughn and Joe Irvin and someone else in that diamond inverted diamond formation. I'm all in. I'm in. How do you stop that? I mean, you literally... They didn't run that much last year, but... Didn't. I never understood why they didn't get into it. It was successful when they did, though. It, it was. It's always been successful, mm-hmm. for the most part. Last question of the first half come from, comes from Chris66204. Make a prediction on who scores the first points for K-State this season. Oh, Skylar Thompson. I'm just going to be safe. Tayton Winkle. Tayton Winkle! my answer, Zach. That's who I it sounds like is going to be the kicker, at least at the start. But Ty Zentner apparently can do it all if they need him to do it all. But I think they a surprising answer. Tayton Winkle, mm-hmm. when Chris Kleiman said he's going to be taking the field goals, probably like, wow, okay. Yeah. Plus, it's fun to say his name. <laughs> what was the, the, what's the, the second the second best TikTok star on the roster? Is he really? Hey, he, oh boy. I, he has like 35,000, I think, or something followers wow. at one point. Nice. What's the Iowa State? That was before I knew who uh, Shane Porter was. I have no idea. Isn't it a Sally or it looks like a Sally? Yeah. But it's spelled like ass alley. So he has the second coolest name for a kicker in the Big 12. Is Winkle. that voted on by the media or voted on by Cole's like peanut brain? Yeah. I would agree with that. You, you went all the way to Ames, Iowa, to sneak the word "ass alley" and words "ass alley" into the podcast. I did. Well, that's effort. Um, to answer the question, what even was the question? Who scores the first points? Oh, yeah. Zach stole my answer. Um, yeah, I, I think. Actually, you know what? No, I'm going to say Jax Deneen. Jax Deneen, and that's J A X for you kids following along at home. No, no, really, reason behind that. But I think something weird's gonna happen, so I'll say I'll say the Jacks attack. You pick Jacks for no reason. Are you Marcus Watts? Hmm. <laughs> hmm. No reason. That's it for the first half of the Powercat Questions podcast. I have to go back and record the open all over again <laughs> because I threw an employee under the bus and I'm a bad boss. <laughs> you have no idea what you missed. GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast continues after this short break. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the PowerCat Podcast. Now, let's return to the GPC Studios. Welcome back to the PowerCat Questions Podcast. That was a briskly paced first half. We were efficient, yet knowledgeable, as best we can tell. Because if we were wrong and dumb, I I wouldn't know because I was part of wrong and dumb. How would I know that? Okay, I'm in the weeds now. I'm going to pull back out of here and say that we're sponsored by the Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Yes, as of 
Tuesday they had the uh, Wabash Reserve. I, I don't know if they still have it. I'm going to check after the show, and if they don't, I'll cry. I'll, I'll just break down and cry in the store and make a scene because that's who I am. Speaking of crying, I haven't been to Tanner's or the Hilo in too long. Make sure you stop in. Next week, next week, I got news for you folks. There's a home game. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's football in Manhattan. They didn't move all the games to Texas, by the way. They, they kept seven of them for home games. It's called home games when you play in your home stadium. I know you took a year off from going to games, so it's very confusing. But then they sold a home game like it was a hooker. That was a horrible thing to say, but I'm leaving it in. And and took it to Arlington, Texas. There we go. Okay. First question of the second half. And here's your question from Wabash Station. Is from Chris six six two zero four. What is the GPC depth chart? Like, is Gills listed as second string at midnight as first string, or are they listed? No, it says third string. Third string. (laughs) Or are they listed in second string with an an or? I don't have a depth chart. We all have our positions. I'm on the disabled list right now with my hand. Well, it's called the injured list. It's 2021. Am I on the IR? For the whole season. I think so, you're on the physically unable so to perform this list. To the listeners who can't currently see you, what happened to your hand? Was it? Me and third string Carmody were playing baseball and I dove for a ball and landed on my hand. I didn't catch the ball too. I landed on my hand funny and I'm in a little brace. But you didn't go to the hospital. I went to urgent care and I didn't break anything. Oh, but you didn't go to the hospital. I did not go to the hospital like other GPC members. So you're playing actual baseball. We were just playing some hitting some fly balls, as they would say, tossing the leather out of the sand. That's what they say. Mm -hmm. I wonder if Chris Kleiman will work that into a press conference. (laughs) Well, we really hope uh, he's tossing the leather, Coach. I have no idea what that means for football. I have no clue what that means. (laughs) Um, You know where you went wrong. I have never been injured not hustling. Like, for example, I heard about a guy who died out jogging. Never going to happen to me. <laughs> never. How many times do you hear about people falling out of their recliner and dying? Never. Never. That's what you get for going out and giving a crap about catching that fly ball. I Just take the approach. I'm going to stand in this little spot and move three feet in any direction. But probably not back. That's just not in my style. Don't hustle, kids. Don't put in the time. Don't put in the work. Don't hustle. That's my life philosophy. So the depth chart? Oh, anyhow, uh, we don't have a depth chart. We all have our starting positions. Okay. I don't know what those positions are. I'm in a constant state of confusion, so that's probably my position. Zach, pretty much his job is video, social media, and keeping track of fits. Basically. Basically. And making sure financially we pay all the bills because he takes them to the accountant. I can't. I'm too good for that even. Mm. I haven't checked our uh, P.O. box in how long? Since before I took it over. (laughs) Actually, you know what? I think I did check it one time when you were gone or something and and we were waiting on something. Yeah, I think I did give you the key once. Such effort on my part. Such effort. I'm surprised I didn't get hurt with that level of effort. Um, I don't know what the positions are here on the depth chart, but um, I'm not going to announce starters. You're just going to have to look at the lineup and see who's performing. Full Snyder mode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or, or I'm going to lie on the depth chart and you know keep someone up there at starter that isn't a starter at all. So actually getting back to real football here from Get Out More Cat, Obviously, the Stanford game is huge. Let's hear your season win totals with a win versus totals with a loss. I say six and six with a loss, and eleven and one with a win. I don't Whew. know how you get them to six wins with a loss. Yeah, you get two more in the non-conference, and then you win four in the Big Twelve. I don't see it. In fact, with a loss, I'm worried that you're going to lose to Nevada too. I mean, I think Nevada is pretty comparable to Stanford. Might be better at quarterback. Uh, eight and four is what I've said for with a win. That's what I, th- I think they will win this game. I'm going to say five and seven. I think it's that important. It's that big of a crutch game that it's going to take the wind out of them. 
And even then, I mean, do you beat? I mean, do you end up four and eight because you can't beat Nevada at that point? Yeah, I still think they get to six and six with a loss. Mm. But I, I kind of understand the eleven and one with a win. I don't think they'll be that good. But kind of what I've been trying to describe is, if you look at the schedule, if K State wins this one and they build up some momentum and they can go get Nevada and they kind of keep building up, beat Oklahoma State. If they can go five and one to start the season. I mean, they're going to be a top 15 team the rest of the season up until the Texas game, probably. Their schedule gets so easy. They might have the easiest schedule in the conference once you get past mid-October. They don't have anybody. And if they can stay focused, I think that, you know, especially if they win those games early on, you know, they're going to be a good team. And I think that, you know, getting to 10-2 and is extremely likely if you can just survive. But... If you struggle and if they're not able to get a mojo, I think that six and six might be more realistic than being eight and four. I think there's kind of this, this, the eight and four, nine and three area. I think it's going to be kind of tough because, you know, you, the, the games you got to win to get, you know, that high, you got to win them and you're probably going to win the other games and not lose some. But if you lose, you don't have the momentum. You don't have that rhythm. You're probably going to lose another game that you probably shouldn't lose. So I think, yeah, I think if they win this game, it just it's going to be a good momentum boost going into that Nevada game, and hopefully they can build up and keep going. I think, you know, I, I've been going back and forth on my final prediction for a record, but I think with a win, if they come out and they're dominant, then, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking 9-3. and three. Um, but if it, again, like we talked about in the first half, if it's one of those games where K State doesn't look very good, but Stanford looks worse, and K State comes away and they win by six points, if it's you know what what twenty one to fifteen or whatever, and it's just kind of a sloppy game, then yeah, I think I wouldn't be first of all, I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. Because if you look at the history of K-State coming out in first games, we know that it's not usually, you know, a pretty a pretty win. Um, but if they come out and they look like they're ready to play, they look like a seasoned veteran team that, you know, by all by all accounts we've heard they are. Then, um, yeah, I think that I, I would go with eight, nine and three with a win, a dominant win, eight and four with a not so dominant win, and five and seven with a loss. K-State's floor, even if Skylar Thompson goes out, they lose to Stanford, COVID hits their locker rooms, they're going to go 6-6 six and six and make a bowl game. Because Will Howard, you know, if that's the worst it gets, he's going to be okay. We've heard all about him in the offseason, so he can lead that offense. But you look at, I mean, 8-4, and four, go back to Chris Kleiman's first year. K-State was really not that good, and they were still 8-4. and four. Yeah. So I think 8-4 and four is really obtainable if they win, and probably 9-3 and three is the ceiling. You know, ten and two is t- probably too tough. So I- I'd go nine and three if they win, but six and six nice. loss. All right, you, you changed my mind. Six and six—that's the floor. There we You're go. Right. I'm really pessimistic with the loss. I think it's going to weigh on this team. Although I- I'm going to admit here that I'm so used to covering Bill Snyder teams. I mean, I've done it basically my whole career. I kind of tend to now view things from that. Chris Kleiman's teams have had a little bit more up and down to them which I don't know that I particularly enjoy. I can kind of tell when K-State was going to win and the games they were going to have issues with because there was a consistency to that. Mm-hmm. Once Bill Snyder started to beat a team, they didn't beat him back. And, you know, we're just kind of seeing that with some trends. Chris Kleiman needs a break with Oklahoma State and West Virginia and Baylor. So um, I'm, I'm excited. I, I, if they win, I think this is going to be a really, really fun season. Third question of the second half comes from I Like Pickles Cat. Stanford has gotten most of, if not all, of the buzz over the offseason, but Nevada is the tougher non-con game on the schedule. Is it just because the opening game is in Dallas, or are people really sleeping on Nevada? People are sleeping on Nevada. They really are. I mean, that's a pretty good team. Um, But Stanford being power five and being on a neutral field, it seems like the tougher game. I'm not convinced it is. Mentally, I think it's going to be tougher because – Nevada's coming off a four-game winning streak last year, and K-State's on a five-game losing streak. So I don't know how much impact that has, but Stanford feels pretty good about itself. So it's really imperative. I mean, again, I fear if you lose to Stanford, you lose to Nevada, and then the the tailspin starts. I think, too, I mean, the Nevada game is the third 
non-conference game. In all intents and purposes, it is the perfect warm-up for Big 12 play because how good Nevada is going to be, we think they're going to be decent enough. If they were a Big 12 team, would you be able to compare them to Baylor? Would you be able to compare them to Texas Tech? I don't necessarily – I think they would fall into that category, but they're definitely good enough to where if they played in the Big 12, they'd be able to win some games. So I think the Nevada game is a perfect test to see where you are. If you go into that game 2-0, and I mean, you have a very good chance to play a good Nevada team and build up some even more momentum as you head into conference play. So – I've I've been on the the train of that Nevada game. I'm more scared. I, the Nevada game scares me more than any of the first other two games combined, because I think Nevada is going to give K State a better game than Stanford is. Um, even if K State beats Stanford, I still think that's going to be the case with Nevada. So yeah, I think I think the Nevada game is I, the Nevada game is the toughest out of all of them for sure. What? Uh, next question unless we have anything to add on that, comes from AgCat 2019. Uh, new subscriber, welcome to, nice. the, welcome to the site. You've been on the site for five months, but this is the first time asking a question, so you're first new to the podcast. Post. Ding, ding, ding. First post. First post. First post. Long-time reader, first-time question asker. Poster. <laughs> Big 12 teams are slated to play eight non-conference games against Power 5 schools this regular season. Um. What is the Big 12's record in these games, and what does it need to garner respect nationally? And I'll read you the, the oh, list right the here. List. Yeah. Yeah. There's the list. Uh, Stanford versus K-State, West Virginia at Maryland, Cal at TCU, Iowa at Iowa State, Texas at Arkansas, Nebraska at Oklahoma, Virginia Tech at West Virginia, and Kansas at Duke. Oh, yeah. We were doing, doing so well. Then we got to the last one. <laughs> Are we just going to pick these games then? Is that how we want yeah. to do it? Well, I, I, I mark down what I think is going to happen. I, I pick five and three out of that. Hmm. Five, three. And I think being over 500 is important. So who are the three losses? Let's go, let's go game by game. Okay. Let's just, just read them off. Stanford, K-State. Win. K-State. 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 Okay. West Virginia at Maryland. West Virginia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would agree. Cal at TCU. Uh, TCU. Toss up. I would think TCU would win that. It's a home game. Yeah. Um, Iowa at Iowa State. It's going to be a good game. I'm going to go Iowa. They, they always get them. They always yeah. get them or they just they, – yeah, I'm going to go Iowa State. I'm on the Matt Campbell bandwagon. See, I'm going to pick Iowa. Uh, fan, the fan yes. club? Yeah, I joined Super the fan club. club. You're in the club. Mm-hmm. I got my I got my merit badge and everything. Should we alert another K-State media member that you're <laughs> oh, joining I'll, ranks? Hey, John Kurtz, <laughs> I'm in the Matt Campbell fan club now. <gasps> I have a T-shirt to prove it. Oh, kid on. What is it? You know Some what we t-shirt. call ourselves? We call ourselves Campbellonians. <laughs> I have no idea why we call ourselves that. That's Campbellonians. Go ahead. Keep Texas on. at Arkansas. I'm picking Arkansas. Hook them. Oh. oh, what? I <laughs> No, you're not. I'm picking with my heart. I think that Pick that's possible. You can't change my mind. Arkansas is getting better. Two steps away from being the KU of the Bessies. <laughs> oh, they're good. They've gotten better. They still have Felipe Franks or no? I don't. I don't know. I don't even know. Is that a f- f- kind of hot dog? <laughs> <laughs> Louisiana in week one is a far better chance to beat Texas than Arkansas. So I'm going to go Texas. Thank you. Okay. You're welcome, Zach. You're welcome. Do I even need to say Nebraska at Oklahoma? <laughs> oh. Well, they may not show up. Wait, this isn't a non-conference game. Oh, wait, never mind. <laughs> Thanks, Fitz. Yeah, Oklahoma. We're at six, aren't we? Are we? That's six games. It's not six wins. Virginia Tech. Well, you've all picked all Big 12 to win every game, haven't you? I picked Iowa. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I picked Iowa. And I said, uh, Cal. Okay. Virginia, I didn't pick them, but I said, uh. Virginia Tech at West Virginia. I like Virginia Tech in this, but I don't know anything about Virginia Tech this year. How does West Virginia always carry the weight by playing two Power Five non-con games? You know, every year they do it in year in year out. As an aside, in the new Big Twelve, you better do it. Mm-hmm. You better. I mean, if you want a better TV package, you can't be playing two non-Power Fives in your non-conference, or at least have a better team like a Nevada. Not a great team, but a better team. I mean, I would I would think Nevada is a more attractive matchup than Rutgers. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I think West Virginia has been 
been doing the yeoman's work here by playing two power fives in the non-con. So do they win? I picked them to lose just because I thought I was getting greedy with so many wins, but I they, this is a toss-up to me. Mm-hmm. But it's in Morgantown. Yep. Again, I think a couple of the toss-ups are in, on the home field of the Big 12 team. I do want to add a game in here. I know that they're not power five, but, I mean, they might be soon, and that's Houston. Houston um, and Texas Tech. That's going to be week a good one. Game. That's a very intriguing game. That's a great thing to point out. NRG Stadium in Houston. I think Houston's going to win that game. I yeah, I'd take mm-hmm. Houston. I yep. wouldn't take Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. There's another Big Twelve game week one. You should keep an eye on. It's, uh, it happens Thursday night. Central Florida and Boise State. There we go. Hold there on. we go. They're not in the conference. Where yet. are they playing that game? I think Orlando, right? Topeka. Oh, that's yeah, right. Halfway. halfway. Hum, Hummer, halfway. Hummer Park. Hummer, Hummer Park. Sports Park. Yep. Hummer Park. Playing at Fort Scott. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're actually going to be at uh, Bishop, Bishop Sycamore Stadium. Yeah, they'll be there. They have a home stadium? Yeah, they have a host home stadium. Yeah. They don't just travel around the country and grab 11, guy, 11 teams? Well, according to the website, Bishop Sycamore Stadium seats 39,000 fans that are also invisible. So. There's a million Hulkamaniacs in the in the Silver Dome. I just never knew the Catholic Church named a tree as a bishop. I think that's pretty cool. The last the last Big Twelve game. You want to keep us on course. <laughs> Kansas at Duke at Cameron Indoor. Wait, no, that's, that's. I thought we were picking Power Five games. <laughs> uh, guys, I'm gonna. I, I picked Duke to win this just because I, I like to poke fun at KU. I think KU's gonna be better. I think, I think KU wins it. I think KU might win this game. Yep. Are they going to beat Coastal Carolina then? I think they're going to win their all their non-conference games. Really? Uh-huh. Hope you're right. And then just get taken to the woodshed in the conference. No. KU is going to go I think they're one going to lose to South Dakota. Best. One and a half, I'm taking the under. Yeah, what if it was you. one, Zach? Yeah, we're taking the under because... Taking the over, baby. Because two is more than one and more than I want to give KU. Okay. We'll find so out. we ended up with quite a few wins there. We ended up better than five and three on average. I think we were six and two. If they go six and two in that in those eight games, that bodes well for the conference. But somehow they'll make an excuse. Well, you could. I mean, we say six and two. That's pretty optimistic. The TCU could very easily lose to Cal. Um, Obviously, we think Arkansas can beat Texas. We, I think, whoa, it's whoa, whoa. Gills and I is not we. I'm just, I'm just saying, like, <laughs> we have them at six and two, but they could very easily be four and four. Okay, so that's not even the first game I'm three and five. <laughs> I'm picking. Let's, let's go through the games, and I'm going to pick them as Stuart Mandel. Here we go. Stanford versus K State. Uh, Stanford uh, will win this game uh, because K State's in the Big Eight. West Virginia at Maryland. Uh, probably Maryland uh, because they're north of West Virginia. Cal at TCU. Um, TCU will win this game, but only because there's a big tech conference in Berkeley that weekend and the players will be distracted. Iowa at Iowa State. Uh, nobody cares. <laughs> Texas at Arkansas. Uh, Texas at Arkansas. I'm going to pick Alabama. <laughs> Nebraska at Oklahoma. Uh, Nebraska. Oh, absolutely Nebraska. Nebraska. Scott Frost is the real deal. Yep, 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 yep. Virginia Tech at West Virginia. Um, hmm. Uh, probably Virginia Tech uh, because I like Frank Beamer, even though he's not there anymore. <laughs> Kansas at Duke. Uh, oh, yeah, Duke. Duke because, I mean, Krzyzewski's just unbeatable. That's Stuart Mandel's picks. Go Pac-12. Last question of the podcast comes from I Like Pickles Cat. Pickles. Very simply. Pickles. Bishop, C- Bishop Sycamore and ESPN. What the heck? Okay, so if you're not following along, ESPN showed high school games the other day, and they got duped into showing a game involving IMG Academy, which nobody wants to play because it's basically a scouting I mean, just it's basically a minor league college team. Right. Right. It's all top players from around the country that go there to get signed and nobody wants to play them. So they played a team called Bishop Sycamore. ESPN aired this game. Turns out Bishop Sycamore not only doesn't exist, but they were all like 20 to 30 year old men playing high school players and they lost 56 to nothing. 
I don't think they were 20 to 30. They That's were, what they're saying now. Are you serious? <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, this, in all honesty, this just tends to show me where ESPN's trending. They're just they're throwing crap at the wall. I, I mean, how do you, how does this happen? How I I don't even care if it's a promoter doing it. Someone at ESPN, it's going on your air. You can't blame the production company. You know that's that's like if you air a documentary that's completely wrong and there's a made up source in it. It's still on your network. You still own it. They're just they've they've just become a laughing stock. It's interesting how the commentators just completely blasted Bishop Sycamore. I didn't on air. I mean, I saw some of the highlights. I mean, they were like, like the safety of this game is like in question. Basically, they're like this team is does not deserve to be on a football field. Well, and what amazes me is it wasn't worse. I, I didn't see the game. I don't know, but fifty six to nothing. Good teams have lost by that. Bad teams lose 90 to nothing. Was there a running clock? I have no clue. I didn't watch the game either. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's just, you know, being around high school sports for my dad, obviously, he was a he was a principal at a high school. And so I've been around high school football since I was three years old. And it's insane to, to me to think that another high school, like, not, not IMG is a different story, but there's a school in Texas that just canceled their game with Bishop Sycamore. And I, I wanted to go, well, what are you doing in the first place scheduling this team when you have so many other teams that you could play nationally? I know modern day from, um, out in California went down to Texas and they just steamrolled, um, the school. I can't think it off the top of my head, but you know, a traditional power in Texas, it's like, well, why don't you go play them? Instead, you want to play this team that reaches out to you and wants to play you. Right. As somebody who's been around high school football, I cannot imagine going up against literally a group of college rejects. I mean, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. It's like basically a semi-pro team. I know like in Kansas City, they have teams where guys that played in high school and now they're just working at UPS or doing whatever. And they're like, oh, we have a a club team that we're going to play and we're going to go travel and play other teams. That's pretty much what Bishop Sycamore is. I mean, it's incredible. I'm certain people will go to prison over this. There is something criminal well, going they had on. To have been paid. Exactly. Have you read the article on Awful Announcing about the dad of the former quarterback? No. So it, it's out on Awful Announcing. It's 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 a really good um it's a good piece. The, the there's a kid who was the quarterback there for their first year in the summer, um and he had graduated high school and he was it was like his prep school whatever his year right. of prep school. And so he was going around with the team in the summer, training, trying to get more, going to camps, trying to get scholarships. Well, they were taking all these kids to team camps. Allegedly, what happened was they would stay in these hotels and the hotels wouldn't get paid for. It was under the name of Bishop Sycamore and the hotels would never get paid for. So the dad of the kid pulled his kid out and said, hey, well, we're not going to stay here. Like something's going on. The the hotel calls him and says, hey, we're charging you for $2,000. He's like, well, why? He's like, because the hotel rooms didn't get paid for. He's like, well, that I'm not affiliated with that group. I've been just with my son, and and so this happened at multiple, multiple uh, different hotels. And so eventually, Dad pulled his kid out, and he got an offer from Youngstown State. And so now he's a tight end at Youngstown State. And so that is kind of the story of kind of how it started. At least before the scams, this has been going on what, long before. What's a worse existence playing for a? high school team that doesn't really exist or getting MF'd by Bo Pelini on every play at practice. <laughs> well, I mean, Bo Pelini's a stable person. Don't get me wrong. Go Huskers. Insane. The story right, is it's, insane. It's crazy. You know, I, don't, I don't get it. Well, first of all, I'm bothered by the entire idea of having high school prep school football teams so good that you travel the nation playing games. That's just, what is no, no, no. I I I'm just mystified by that. First of all, I know it happens in basketball, but you're talking about taking ten guys and coaches or whatever. They're treating it like AAU, right? That's it. It shouldn't be like that. No, it shouldn't be like that. It's sad, and I understand doing it in AAU and summer baseball. I get that, but you're taking the high school experience away from kids. And even if they don't have the experience at an IMG or a modern day or these schools that are so 
you know, geared towards sports, you're still taking something away from the kids and you can't even really call them kids anymore, I guess. I, mean, I think IMG needs their own league. I think that when you have a, a school that's just that, you they're know, not sanctioned you, in the activities association. I don't believe. Right. They just, they need to go create their own league and not travel around. I mean, maybe they can't, maybe just let them travel around if that's the case, but just put all those academies in Florida somewhere and just let them play all year round and, and do it that way. Don't, don't treat us to nationally televised games that, Oh, Hey, they're illegitimate. Sorry guys. Just bizarre. Well, you guys are real. I don't, I don't know about Gilbert. I'm not sure. Hmm. Well, I mean, obviously he's real. He's injured. You can't, you can't be injured and be fake. Why would you be injured and fake? I, I don't understand what I'm talking about. <laughs> I have no idea. But that's it for the podcast. That's it. We tried to stay focused on K-State's game. That's what we did today. We had other topics, but we decided to go with this. And I hope you enjoyed it. That was a dog shaking. We'll be back later in the week with our Paracat pregame show. Because you know why. K-State has a football game on Saturday. Thank you for listening to the PowerCat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.